Hi, Danny here, and thank you for uh, listening to another episode. I'm sure like many investors, you are very much concerned about buying a piece of property and finding its value may go down in the next six months or a year. Nobody wants that, of course. In this episode, I want to give you some tools or mindset shift uh, information to help you really think about that idea or concept deeply and maybe help you avoid the fear or concern of property values changing downward. I hope you will benefit from this episode and we'll learn a little bit more about the whole concept of the property value. Enjoy the episode. Thank you. Oh, and one more thing before we start. If you want to speak with me, just send me an email. Send it to meet at simplydoit.net. Meet, as in meeting, at simplydoit.net. I promise this is not going to be a sales pitch, and we're going to talk about what you're trying to accomplish, and if we simply do it, can be a part of it. Thank you. Is there a way to prevent loss of property value during a time of economic slowdown or recession? Many investors, especially nowadays, ask these questions when they either speak to me or I see it online. So the big question, can you prevent it? Let me start by saying, well, it depends. Can you really prevent it? I don't know. Are there ways to either mitigate or reduce the chances of this is happening? Absolutely. And let's talk about those ways. So I want to talk about a couple of things, how to kind of put it together in a proper mindset to understand this is not necessarily the most horrible things that can happen, although none of us um, uh, want it to happen. Let me start with a personal story. In 19, sorry, in uh, 2005, 2005, September 2005, I purchased a rental in Florida for about 180,000. I think it was 177,000. I don't remember exactly, but let's just use 180. That was September of 2005. And that house came with a renter. It's a Four bedrooms, three bathrooms, sorry, two bathrooms, 1,400 square feet, single family home in, an, in a good area, not amazing schools, not bad schools, not amazing area, not bad area at all. And actually, over the past years since I've owned it, it was probably vacant combined maybe four months altogether in all those years. Not a bad investment. Now... This house purchased the end of 2005. Around 2009, when I measured, I kept track of its value. What's the value of that property? At some point during the 2008 you know, downturn, went all the way down to 84,500. That is more than 50%. 
obviously not a pleasant feeling it's not as shocking you know maybe now it looks like more shocking when we're thinking about it but at that time in that area or in different parts of the country that was actually very common to see not everywhere but in certain parts the value of the property that was dropped by more than 50 percent did not create create any issues or concern for me except it wasn't a nice feeling to have and by the way, it, was, it wasn't a nice feeling to have in an area or in, in a period where there were a lot of unpleasant feelings altogether. The minute I realized, actually I could see the value declining. It wasn't like a surprise. I just remember the bottom of that property was 84500 Once I start seeing the property declining, I probably freaked out a little bit and got nervous or even stressed out for a few good days, maybe even a few weeks. But then I noticed something else is happening. I noticed that I have zero issues with, with the rentability of this house. And every time I had to replace, you know, one, when the tenant moves out, moved out and a new, another tenant came in, it was a very quick process. And, I, and the rent kept going up. So while looking at it, and from the side, and with the fresh eyes, I realized that this is still a good property in a good area. It's just going through, it's been affected by the economy. And if I just take a breather and ride it through, it will probably be okay. I didn't have the experience and knowledge and confidence in 2005, or sorry, 2008-9, as much as I have it today, to kind of re, you know, reassure myself. But I just told myself, Danny, this has always been a long-term investment. There is no rush to go anywhere. The, this $84,000, value is, doesn't mean anything unless you're selling it today for that price, and that's not good. But if you're not, take a breather, close your eyes, and let's just ride it. What am I trying to tell you by this story? What I'm trying to say is this, let's say the worst thing happens and you buy a house today and in six months it drops in value by 20%, right? Let's just take numbers. We buy it for 200,000 and it drops by 20%, that's $40,000 to 160. You know what? 150. You know what? 140. Not pleasant, right? It is already 30%. So that's a lot, a significant drop. What I'm trying to say is probably the, one of the better mechanisms you can you know, uh, deploy in your simple arsenal is not to stress out over the value right now, but remember that if we're buying real estate for a long period of time, 10, 15 years or so, then the value of the property will most likely recover and go up. By the way, that property in, in, in Florida that I just talked about is probably around 260000 maybe give or take. Who knows exactly, but just, just to give you a rough idea. So if you're buying, to begin with, preventive measure number one, buying for the long term is less sensitive to a, to a current 
slowdown period. Okay? So I am not going to tell you it's a guarantee, but most likely you buy the house for 200000 tomorrow. And it so happens it drops 30% to 140000 right? The feeling is not, you know, comfortable, but for 40, you know, drops to 140 in six months or year. And you're just going to ride it through and wait four, five, six, ten years, most likely, and historically has, you know, the history has you know, showed us that this happened time and time again, this house will go back up and will continue going up over time, resulting in a higher value piece of property. If you're looking for guarantees, then this is not going to happen. If you're looking for logic and common sense and methods to prevent things like this from happening or understand how to work with what's going on, that would probably be a tool you could utilize. Second thing I want to say about prevention. Let's buy a nice piece of property in a good part of town. Let's do a good decision about the property we're buying and most likely it will continue to be attractive and appreciating. When I say attractive, that means someone will always want to rent it because of the location, because of the schools, because of the appeal of the property. And it doesn't have to be amazing. It doesn't have to be a designer property. It just need, to need not to be a piece of crap and not to be in a bad part of town, in, a, in, in bad schools, because that will make it difficult. But if a nice piece of property, a nice single-family home in a good school area, in a growing market, can still continue attracting tenants and, and even value when everything else is slowing down. So there's just by making good choices about the type of, of properties will most likely decrease the chances of value going down dramatically. Number three, again, no guarantees. But interestingly enough, if you check past downturn and recessions, typically when the property's values are dropping, rents are increasing. Vacancies are being reduced. So it's very likely, again, no guarantees, very likely that over the slowness, the economical slowness, what will happen is rent will go up and vacancy will go down, benefiting you on the cash flow aspect of the property. How is that even possible? Well, right now it looks a little bit strange. How is this possible exactly where we are? Because we are getting signal messages. I'm talking about the mid-December 2020. What do I mean by, you know, by mixed messages? On one hand, there's COVID out there and there's um, unemployment is, you know, it went, unemployment is, is, it shot through the roof the beginning of 2020 when COVID started. Then it started, you know, correcting itself. And now it's not where we were at the beginning of 2020, but it's probably around 10%, which is three times more than what we had before COVID started. And by the way, 
even when COVID started, we were at record, you know, uh, record low unemployment rates, which are not projecting or not reflecting a normal market. So we were actually in a really uh, good position, and I'm glad we, we were. So that actually helped us, you know, survive this period. So um, what we are seeing on one end, there's some employment challenges because of COVID, because of the effect of COVID on the marketplace, which we are still trying to figure out what's going on. Some people are employed, some people are unemployed, some, you know, some industries or sectors are suffering more, some are less, some are benefiting. It's very weird. That's what I mean by mixed signals. And then we look at the real estate, and real estate in many U.S. metros, it's actually appreciating the values, the prices, not the rents. There may be rents too, but the value and the prices are appreciating. So how is this possible? So here is what may happen when we start going to see more unemployment and maybe if foreclosures will start rising uh, uh, significantly, then probably what's going to happen, and this is something we saw in the past, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago in the last recession, is that when foreclosure take place, a lot of the properties, the inventory, the housing, available housing in, a, in, the, in the local market are being yanked out of the market for, for a period of time. What do we mean yanked? A property that goes through a foreclosure process, usually there is, uh, you know, by the time the house is foreclosed upon and becomes REO, bank owned, if it gets to that point, the bank is not foreclosing on Monday and putting the house back for, for sale on Tuesday, a day later. The banks are sitting on those houses for a variety of reasons. Processing, slugginess, you know, who's going to sell it, whatever. And that may take, if they're really efficient with processing those foreclosures, it will probably take a bank at least six months from the time they got it in-house as an REO, and the time they put it back on the market, okay? So that's probably what's going to happen. And when that happens, that means so all of a sudden we have less available living units in the metro. And if we have less available living units, that means less houses to, 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 to purchase and less houses to live in, to rent. Meaning, assuming the area has not changed demographically with the number of, of with the population, that the same number of people who are looking to rent are now have to compete on a little bit smaller number of houses. It's true that people have options and choices, right? Someone moves out of the area, someone moves in with a family, whatever. But the same way people move and, and find solutions, it's the same way they become ready to rent as well. Two families move out of the area, two other families are coming in because they think they have better opportunities for work, for example. So those things have a, a way to balance themselves, but once you have less number of housing units in the area because it's foreclosed, that means more people or the same number, the same number of people are looking to rent houses are now looking at the smaller number of potential rentals. By the way, we're probably going to have more people looking to rent than before. Why? 
most of the people that are going to be going through foreclosures and losing their houses, right, which I hope does not happen or happens very, you know, in small numbers, are now, many of them are becoming renters. So what do we have here? Supply and demand. The demand for rental goes up and the supply went down. And that creates a stronger demand for rentals. What do you think is going to happen with houses or rental or investment properties, rental properties? They're going to be seeing less vacancy and higher rents and the rents starts to creep up. So if we are focusing on the value coming back to the beginning of this session, then we may lose sight of other things <coughs> or we may get stressed out for the wrong reasons. So what do you need to do so far? Two things. Remember, it's a long-term investment and that will benefit you if you keep re reminding yourself that and you don't get you know, stressed about the values. Second, you buy correctly. Correctly the metro, correctly within the metro, where to buy, what to buy, etc. Easy to say, hard to do. But this is something that can definitely help you do that. And now I have a little bit of, or maybe a third tweak or suggestion that could benefit us, but it's very difficult to, to apply these days. And the third way, the third mechanism to do it is to buy below market value. And I have to say, that's a super tricky uh, uh, statement I just made. Most of the houses that we are buying we are buying them at around market value, okay? Seller wants 200 and we're gonna pay, give or take 200 if, the, if everything else makes sense. Why are we doing that? Well, very easy, very, very simple. Nowadays, December 2020, most US metros are seeing small inventory levels of housing and high demand, mainly fueled by the low interest rates. So that means multiple offers on good houses, and it's super hard to buy below market value. Where can we find houses below market value, or can we still find them? The simple answer is yes, but it's just, just we just have to look through many more houses to find those. For example, a house that's been sitting longer on the market may be attractive to a lower offer, not necessarily lowball, but lower offer, resulting in a higher or a more value for the property. Another example is a house that needs a little bit more work than your normal house, meaning it may need a roof, it may need a new HVAC, painting, carpet, etc. It doesn't mean the house is not livable, in some instances it may be the case, but it just means all those uh, uh, um, feature of the house are neglected or are around or, or have seen better days and it's time to update the house. Those kind of houses are a little bit tricky first to find for the right price and they may need more work you know in order to get them up to speed. Now if you're an investor or up to date if you're an investor you may buy a house like this Knowing it needs maybe twenty or thirty thousand dollars of updating, and that will yield 
a better or a higher value property once you've done all that work. But at the same time, you may say, you know what? I'm an investor. I'm not looking to sell. I'm just looking to, to buy. I will do the bare minimum to make the house livable and nice. And I know that I may be able to get $1,800 in rent for this house when it's all clean and done and nice, etc. But right now, I have to settle for $1,500 right, a month as rent. I'm just using those as an example. And you, you can estimate or bank on the fact that sometime in the, in the future, near future, far future, when you come in and you fix those things and you repaint the house and you redo the roof, etc., you'll be you'll end up with a higher value piece of property and higher rent. The question remains, do you have to do the work of updating the property now or in the future? And it will be on a case by case. But what I'm trying to say here Keep in mind that finding those houses that have some been neglected a little bit may not look as appealing, but may have built-in equity because of that, or untapped equity because of that, you can tap into uh, it sooner or later. So coming back to the beginning of this, of this episode, where the big question was how to prevent you know, a decrease in, in property value, simple answer, you probably cannot prevent it. More complicated answer, think about it for a second. Buy correctly, uh, buy long term, and maybe buy with some built-in equity because of the property condition. All of those things will help you avoid a value reduction or a significant value reduction and position you better if that thing happens. I hope you benefited from this episode. Don't hesitate to share with your friends. A lot of people are now talking and talking and talking. They have no clues. Copy the link, send to your friend, share with others and let them know there's good content here helping investors make smart decisions about investing in real estate. Thank you for listening.